With a royalty company, what a shareholder gets is a unique exposure to an asset. So it could be a unique exposure to uh, a property in the Permian Basin that has very high prospects for generating oil. It could be a music catalog that has high growth prospects. It could be a particular drug in the oncology sector that's very promising. So you're getting exposure to a unique asset as well as exposure to very experienced management. Hello and welcome to Signals by AlphaSense, where we hear thoughtful insights from business leaders, investors, and experts. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Signals by AlphaSense, and I'm your host, Nick Mazing. Today we're going to discuss royalties as an asset class. Our listeners may be familiar with music royalties, for example. How does Taylor Swift get paid when you listen to her songs on Spotify? That's the royalty mechanism. But royalties are much wider and much older as an asset class, and they extend to other forms of intellectual property like pharmaceuticals, as well as natural resources from oil to gold. And they could be paid out to individuals, they could be paid out to companies, they could be paid out to governments. So to discuss the royalty business with us today, we have the perfect guest, Chris Semenuk, Portfolio Manager at the Tema Global Royalties ETF, ticker R-O-Y-A. And we have all the links in the show notes. Chris, welcome. And can you tell us a little bit more about Tema and about yourself? Sure. Thanks for having me on. So I worked before Tema as a global fund manager for 20 years for a large U.S. pension fund as an active stock picker as uh, and not to I'd also like to mention that my other colleagues at Tema, we all come from the active stock picking background, not only on the long only side, but we have team members that also work on the long short side. And I would say the common theme that sort of joins us is a mission to offer investors access to what we believe are unique themes that are being propelled by long-term secular growth drivers, and to do so using an active equity product and a very bottoms-up focused research process. And now let's talk about royalties for, you know, kind of the most basic question in the most general sense. What is a royalty? How do they arise? Kind of what, what are the basics? Or So in their simplest form, a, re- a royalty is an alternative source of financing. So when companies need financing, they have essentially three main opportunities. You can either use the equity market, you can go to a bank and get a loan. And in the particular case for the commodity industry, which is the biggest user of of royalties, um, you can go to a royalty company, which if you're developing a mine and you need some additional liquidity to develop or complete the mine, or even if the mine is in production, a miner can go to a royalty company and a royalty company will provide cash uh, in exchange for a right to collect a certain percentage of the miner's top line revenue, or in some cases, collect actually a percentage of the metal that comes out of a mine or comes out of the ground. In that case, it's not called a royalty, it's called a stream, but the, the function is the same. So in the royalty industry, it's important, I think, for investors to be aware that this is not only a predictable income stream, because as I said, royalty companies are collecting a percentage of the top line, but investors by investing in a royalty company are shielded from some of the cost overruns that are typically associated with mining companies when they're developing new assets. So what I mean by that is when a mine is being developed, it can experience cost overruns. So that means operational expenditures can turn out to be more than the miner thought. It can experience CapEx overruns. So 
the miner will find out that it actually is more expensive to to actually develop the mine because you know labor prices could go up, equipment prices go up, inflation does have an impact on development costs, and also miners are also have a tendency to issue new equity to finance. So as a royalty holder, you are shielded from not only capex overruns, opex overruns, but you're also shielded from dilution, and therefore you end up isolating that predictable income which you get from the top line of the royalty or from, as I said, um, metal that comes out of the ground. And when we spoke before the recording, you made a very interesting point regarding royalty as a financing source. So for a long time, you know, 10 plus years, we've been in this very low interest rate environment. And I mean, people call it free money or practically free money. And now things are obviously very different. And it's you can see it in the corporate sector. There was an article in the Financial Times that just came out that the Corporate bond issuance is at almost like at the lowest maturity on average in, in 10 years. So companies are essentially borrowing on shorter terms in order to lower their, their interest rate expenses. So how is the new rate environment affecting royalties? Yeah, that's a great question. In fact, it's affecting it materially right now. So as you pointed out, interest rates have been very low and money has been almost free for the past 10 years. So asset owners, when they need liquidity, have essentially been able to go to banks and get loans. They've also been able to use the equity market because the equity market has, has been strong for a number of years now. With regard to what's happened more recently, as rates have increased dramatically, banks are essentially no longer willing to lend into the commodity space, especially at the kind of level where companies are small cap or mid caps. People generally refer to those commodity companies as junior as 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 junior commodity companies so they're essentially shut out of the lending market now equity issuance is also a non-starter right now if you issue equity right now you're going to open yourself up to a massive correction in your share price and this essentially leaves royalty companies as in some ways the last man standing now having lots of liquidity on their balance sheets they're now stepping up to provide liquidity to these miners who you know, haven't been able to get financing elsewhere. So the, the current environment is really great for the royalty businesses, royalty companies going forward. And I'd also like to highlight one other thing that we've noticed through our research is that a lot of the speculative capital that used to lend into the commodity space has essentially disappeared as well. And by this, I'm talking about, you know, five, 10 years ago, banks had special departments set up to lend into the commodity space. Insurance companies were lending into the commodity space. Hedge funds were lending into that space. Everyone was searching for a yield. But now that rates have gone up and yields are higher, that capital seems to have disappeared. Again, leaving royalty companies as kind of the only game in town in terms of getting financing. And what this means is for the shareholders of royalty companies is that royal companies, by being in a better position now to lend, have a longer term runway now for growth because as they write new royalties, their future growth rate increases and that ultimately benefits shareholders. And now you have a royalties ETF, again, ticker ROYA. Uh, I, I think it's a very interesting idea to bring a portfolio of companies that have royalty exposures to actually different underlying, you know, you have the commodities, you have the IP and so on. And, you know, also diversifies the risk much more than, you know, sing, single stock ownership. So at a high level, what are you trying to achieve with, with this new ETF? Yeah. So what we're trying to do is to give our shareholders access to what we think are access to the best royalties in the universe right now and to diversify their exposure across different asset categories. And by that, I mean, at the moment, 70% of the fund is invested in 
the commodity space. So that would be precious metals, base metals, as well as oil and gas. But royalties are also finding their way into non-commodity parts of, 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 of industries, namely in the pharmaceutical sector. So pharma companies, when they're developing a particular drug, will actually seek funding from a royalty company like Royalty Pharma, one of the largest, actually one of the largest royalty companies overall in the industry. The technology industry is also using royalties. So Qualcomm, which is a company I think most people are familiar with, generates a large part of their income from royalties. And in fact, I would also even highlight that the biggest headline in the newspaper these days is the new Arm IPO. Arm is essentially a royalty business. That's how they earn most of their revenue. We also have royalties that are um, being written in the music space. So companies like Universal Music Group or Warner Music Group, they earn most of their income from royalties. So it's a space that's been growing. And if you look back to 2010, royalties accounted for about $2 billion of financing. And if you flash forward to today, over the last sort of 10 to 12 years, that $2 billion has grown to more than $15 billion. So it's an asset class in and of itself that's growing. And we're trying to provide investors with a, a portfolio that gives them a cross-section of, 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 of companies that are using. Now, in terms of how we construct the portfolio, what we've done is we've taken about 50% of the assets and invested them across what we think are kind of the high quality top 10 royalties in the universe. So this is across oil and gas, precious metals, base metals, music, and technology. These would be names like Wheaton Precious Metals, Franco Nevada, Universal Music Group, Interdigital, Dolby, the company that, that makes sound technology. They, that business is a royalty business. So that's 50% of the AUM and very kind of high quality, large cap liquid names. The other 50% of the fund is smaller. So these are younger royalties. These might even be royalties that only have a royalty written on a single asset. So with the younger royalties that are more immature, they generally trade at lower multiples, but they're growing faster. And as royalties grow and become more diversified, they attract a larger multiple. So we get the sort of foundational part of the portfolio with those sort of large cap liquid names will we'll, we'll benefit from the growth. But we also, for the other 50% through the smaller royalties, will get growth and the re-rating. Mm -hmm. So you have a collection of royalties. So we have, you know, the music pharmaceuticals and so on. So uh, when we're discussing the major holders, you, you, uh, you know, maybe you made a, you know, 50-50 point between established companies, growing companies. And you also said something a little bit more interesting when you were doing the research, the, actually the, number one, the executives of, in all of those royalty companies are highly experienced. And you also discussed the, in terms of, past performance, obviously not future results, but you had some really eye-popping statistics on one of the uh, gold royalty companies. So can you discuss the, both of these, the sure. management quality and kind of the how, how the uh, asset class has done in the past? Yes. So what the, the key features that we would like to give our investors exposure to, we want to give them exposure to the best aspects of a royalty company. So with a royalty company, what a shareholder gets is a unique exposure to an asset. So it could be a unique exposure to uh, a property in the Permian Basin that is that is that has very high prospects for generating oil. It could be a music catalog that has high growth prospects. It could be a particular drug in the oncology sector that has that's very promising. So you're getting exposure to a unique asset as well as exposure to very experienced managements. Now the managements and the executives of royalty companies have typically all graduated from the underlying assets where they are royal, uh, that they are royalty companies of. So a lot of senior executives in the mining industry 
once they move on from the industry, will end up going to royalty companies. And what these executives do is essentially get an opportunity as a, in a royalty company to cherry pick the best assets in that sector. So the, the executive teams are usually quite small, usually no more than sort of five to eight executives. And then they're supported by essentially a research team. And that research team they use to parachute out to different sites or to the assets themselves where they do diligence them and come up with long-term earnings forecasts. Um, royalty companies, given that they have that sort of very small cost base and they're, very, they're staffed with such a few amount of people, end up being very high margin businesses and they are very scalable. And just to give you an example, Royal Gold, which is one of the largest gold mining royalties in the sector, they have seen over the last 20 years, their cost base grow Go, uh, their, well, actually their GNA grow by 16 times. So 16 fold increase in GNA. But that 16 fold increase in GNA has supported a 64 fold increase in their revenue and a 99 fold increase in their cash flow. So these very sort of small management teams end up producing very high margins. And, and, and as I said, they're very scalable. A typical margin for a royalty company can range anywhere from sort of 50%. Um, of pre-tax income to sales to upwards of 90% um, in, in, in some of the commodity spaces. Chris, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Today we spoke with Chris Semenuk, Portfolio Manager at the Tema Global Rotis ETF, ticker ROYA. We had a great overview of what Rotis are and the general investment thesis for this very interesting asset class. We're going to have all the links in the show notes. This was another episode of Signals by AlphaSense. You can find us on all the major platforms. My name is Nick Mazing. Thank you for listening or watching. Thank you for joining us. This was another episode of Signals by AlphaSense. Keep in mind that all views presented here are the views of the guests and hosts and do not represent the views of their employers or of AlphaSense. Nothing in this podcast constitutes investing, tax, legal, or medical advice. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a rating and review and subscribe for more.